next week. All right. Uh, if you've been following us on Instagram, our format is going to look a little differently tonight. We have a guest speaker here tonight, which we're really excited about, but here's how the format's going to go. Um, we have our guest speaker who I'll introduce in just a moment. And then after uh, the message, we're going to have uh, the, open, the floor open for questions. So we're going to have a Q&A time um, and you can ask questions. So even now and during the message, be thinking of some questions you might want to ask. So uh, it'll be about 15, 20-minute teaching and then about a 15-minute time for Q&A. So uh, let me just introduce Derek uh, Carrier to us. Born and raised in Wisconsin. Um, went to play college ball at Beloit College, a small college in Wisconsin. And uh, had great potential to play in the pros. And he did. Went undrafted but was quickly uh, picked up. And um, a couple of the different football teams he's played for uh, is the... Uh, Eagles, boo, and then the um, 49ers, um, then was traded to God's favorite team, the Redskins, um, and then from the Skins w- uh, was traded to the Rams, went out to L.A., and then from the Rams uh, signed a three-year contract, and where he is now is currently the tight end for the Oakland Raiders. Um, and so you got some Raiders fans in here? Um, And then how we've obviously come into a relationship with Derek is when he was playing for the Redskins here, he uh, attended church here at Cornerstone. So this was his home church and uh, led a K group and was baptized here um, at the church by Pastor Gary. And um, so was very involved here. And so we're able to build build a relationship uh, with Derek that way. Uh, Loves the Lord. And I'm super excited to hear what he has to share uh, for us tonight. Um, And so let's give a warm young adult welcome to Derek Carrier, tight end for the Raiders. How's everyone doing tonight? So as Austin said, my name is Derek Carrier. I come from Wisconsin, but I left my family back in Oakland. I'm married for four, going on four years in this June. I have a young son named Dominic. He's two and a half years old. And a daughter, Dahlia, who's four months old. Um, like he said, I play for the Raiders. It's going to be my eighth year in the NFL. And if you would have told me I'd play eight years in the NFL when I was in high school, I would have said, you're crazy. It's been an amazing blessing. I've got to meet some incredible people, um, been exposed to some incredible ministries, Pastor Gary's, um, of which I have an especially deep tie to being baptized and having our son dedicated here. So I just want to tell you a little bit about my story, uh, my life, my career, and how that focuses on identity. And I want to do that through the lens of the wise and the foolish builders in the book of Matthew. So... We're going through Matthew 7, 24 through 27. It's okay if you don't have your Bible, it's going to be quick. But here, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount is coming to a close. He had just finished preaching to his disciples and to the crowds regarding behavior of the life of followers of Christ. As they're about to live lives of acceptance of God's gracious invitation to enter the kingdom of heaven. So here we go in verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash." Now here, Jesus is describing the lives of those who hear his teachings and put them into practice versus those who hear and do not. 
While each house may look the same on the outside and in good weather, the storms of this life, which most certainly will come, as my story and I'll show you briefly, will reveal the quality of the work of the two builders. The wise builder represents those who hear his word and put it into practice. The foundation that they're building upon is the strong foundation that has Jesus as its cornerstone. They live a life of obedience and submission to God, and they will build a house that can and will withstand anything. Now, the foolish builder represents those who hear Jesus' words and do not put them into practice. Their foundation is like sand. It's temporary. It's here one day and gone tomorrow. They live lives of disobedience to God, and the house that they build will be completely destroyed when tested with the storm. Now, when we keep our eyes focused on Jesus and the Word of God, we have the much-needed guidance, purpose, identity, and direction needed to overcome the circumstances of this life. And we are rooted and established in who we are in Christ, such as we are the children of the living God. We are co-heirs with Christ. We are His chosen, His elect, His beloved, His workmanship, and inseparable from His love. Now, I just want to ask a quick question, and I want total transparency, because I will be transparent with you tonight. Now, raise your hand, and I'll be the first one to do it. Have you ever had a moment when you took your eyes off of Jesus? Thank you. I'm sure everyone has. And as soon as we take our eyes off of Jesus, it will naturally, and in our flesh, become focused on something temporary and of this world. Maybe it's a financial struggle. Maybe it's a strained relationship. Maybe it's a loss of a job. Comparing yourself with others, a focus on social media, or desire to be popular, successful, or wealthy, or simply with me. I had a sense of pride and wanting my will to be accomplished more so than the Father's. Now, growing up, I have a younger brother named Kyle. We're a year and a half apart, so we're always very close. And we were raised primarily by my mom. So my parents were never married, and I have a great relationship with both my mom and my dad today. But my mom was just an amazing parent. She worked a full-time job, ran her own business, which she still owns to this day, and provided for me and my brother. All the while, while making sure that we went to church every week, we were at every youth event, every retreat. But for me, it was more like checking a box. It wasn't a personal relationship with our Lord and Savior. Now, this type of lifestyle kept God on the outside, and my life did not reflect the transforming love of His Son, Jesus. Instead of focusing on the Lord and serving Him in obedience, my focus was on myself. What could I do? What could I do to make my will be, perf- be formed? I was focused on self-preservation, keeping this image that I thought I had of myself, that I had to present to other people to make them accept me. When we are focused on ourselves, not only are we disobedient to God, but we completely shut ourselves off from serving other people. Jesus wasn't the cornerstone of the foundation of my life. I was trying to build a house on a foundation of sand, a house that will certainly be destroyed when it came into contact with the trials and tribulations of this life. Now, this way of thinking and how I acted went relatively unchallenged until I got to college, where I had the ability to meet two amazing friends and a head coach that challenged how I thought and how I lived. They made me question, did my life really reflect that as a follower of Jesus? Did it bear fruit? For the most part, people on the outside couldn't tell. My house looked just fine, but my foundation was rotten. My friends helped encourage me and teach me what it meant to be a follower of Christ. The Lord used this as a great opportunity 
to expose the wrong path I was on. He used my friends and my coach to work to reveal the work of my weak foundation and disobedience. And I thought I could do everything on my own. Just as long as I stayed strong and kept doing what I knew what to do, that'd be okay. I thought I might find acceptance through what I thought was perfection, while completely neglecting and not truly understanding my need for a perfect Savior. And we all have a place in our inner being that is meant and reserved to be occupied by God. When we allow Him into our lives, we are filled with love, joy, and peace. But when we try to fill this void with the things of this world, we will never be satisfied, always consuming, but never fulfilled. To come to surrender and obedience to the Lord, I dove into the Bible and began to read and pray. And while I was definitely on the right path, I had much, much more growing and challenges to face. And this is just a side note before I continue, but going back to my friends and my coach, I just want to urge you guys to encourage and build up one another and to share your story. And it doesn't matter if you think it's simple or not worth telling. Look at the disciples. They were ordinary, flawed human beings. And look at what they were able to accomplish for the kingdom of God. God has put such an incredible calling on each and every one of you. And it's unique and specific to you. And it's just like the body of Christ. And it has many parts and it makes up the whole. And so your story makes up the whole. And to not tell that story is to have the body be a missing part, to be incomplete. So I encourage you guys, please, to share, to build up, to encourage one another. Because you never know who you might be helping with a kind word or a kind action. Or who you might be leading into a relationship with the Lord. Just as my friends and my coach did, do not hesitate to share your story or to share Jesus. Now, in my last couple years of college, there was NFL scouts that came, and it was actually pretty cool. Like for the first time in our college in like about 80 years, we had an NFL prospect, myself. But we had scouts there um, pretty much every week coming to see us practice, coming to see my games. And so for me, for me as an athlete, being able to play at the highest stage was a dream that was soon to be fulfilled, and it was super exciting. And then after uh, my senior year in football, I went to play in an all-star game in Georgia. And that was a super eye-opening experience because I was playing against Division I talent for the first time. I, I went to a really small Division III school. So for those of you who aren't familiar with it, that's no athletic scholarships. And the level of contact competition is significantly lower than what it is in Division I. So for me, like I said, it was an eye-opening experience and really taught me what I need to work on in my game to be successful. Then, so from there, I had a pro day. So basically what that is, is a bunch of scouts come and they watch you run a 40 bench press and do all these exercises in your spandex. And, it, and I'll tell you, it's pretty flattering. Not. But um, so there's about 30 scouts there, uh, one from each team. And I'm sitting there in my spandex, and you have to hold your arms out. They measure your wingspan, they measure your height, they measure your weight, and they call everything out in front of everyone. But anyways, I performed well enough on my pro day that when I hired my agent and we were talking about what might happen in the draft, that he informed me I could be drafted from the fourth round all the way to being undrafted. And anyways, that's what ended up happening. I went undrafted. So for seven rounds and for 32 picks for each round, plus a couple other extra picks, which they call compensatory picks, which is essentially just happens in free agency. The NFL assigns teams extra picks if they lose a player. 
and there's typically over 250 total picks in any year's draft. So for that draft, I got picked over and passed over over 250 times, telling me that I wasn't good enough over 250 times. But as I began my career in the NFL, I remained confident in my God-given abilities and that I would have a long career. But I never really stopped and prayed to the Lord and said, you know, Father, what's your will for my life in this? What do you want with my life and my career? I was more focused on what I wanted to accomplish. And during the course of my seven-year NFL career, I've been fired twice, which we call cut, and I've had to move across the country, across from California to Philly, to California, to Virginia, back to California five times with my family. And that's stressful on all of us. And when you get released, it's probably one of the most humbling experiences that I've ever had as a professional athlete. You get a phone call, and it's the dreaded phone call that everyone hates to receive. And they say, this is so-and-so with the Oakland Raiders. We need you to come in, you need to bring your playbook. So you come in, and the, the ride-in is just awful to the facility. And as soon as you get there, there's someone to meet you, and they take you up to a coach's office, or maybe it's the general manager. And they sit you down one-on-one, they say, Derek, we're sorry, but we're going to have to let you go. And sometimes there's words of encouragement, and other times it's, this just isn't for you. You might need to go look for other work. In other words, you might need to go find another job that's not in the NFL. Now, while this was challenging, and at times it drove me to my knees in prayer, old habits and thought patterns still existed. And it wasn't until my first major injury that I really faced my greatest challenge of all. Now, this was during the 2015 season when I was playing with the Washington Redskins, and we were playing... Chicago Bears, and what would be a game that would help push us to the playoffs. It had rained a couple days before, and the field was just slop and full of rain. And it was early in the second quarter, and I'm out there running a pass play that I've run hundreds of times before. It's a simple play where I act like I'm blocking, and then come out, catch a pass, and it's wide open every time. So I catch the ball, and as soon as I turn up field, I get hit right from the outside. My knee's taken out from me tear my ACL, MCL, meniscus. And as bad as that sounds, and it's perfectly called the unhappy triad as the injury. So you can imagine how unhappy I was feeling when that happened. So I'm sitting writhing around in pain on on the field, and I get carried off by some athletic trainers and some players. And I'm on the sideline sitting there, and I'm really the only thing that's on my mind is what's going to happen to me. I'm focused on myself. I turn my attention inward. What's going to happen to my career? And I'm just in despair. I'm in a dark place right now. And we have one of our team orthopedists, who's one of the best in the world. He comes in, he's just this awesome, short gentleman, but an older guy. But he's just a, just a blast to be around. He's super pleasant. But he comes up to me, and I'm expecting some words of encouragement. You know, maybe, Derek, it's not as bad as you think it is. But as I'm sitting there, I'm like, like, looking, like, what is it? And he just goes, I'm like, come on, you got to have something for me. Like, I'm waiting. And he just goes, it's not good. And, but a, kind of a funny story. So about a week later when I ended up getting surgery, he's down in Florida. I went there, and I'm in the consultation office waiting for him to come in. And then when he does, I was like, hey, doc, like, why don't you say anything to me on the sideline? He goes, I saw the place you were in, and I didn't want to make it any worse. So I was like, thanks, I appreciate that. But anyways... 
So I'm on the sideline, and they bring over one of those motorized carts to take me back to the locker room. And as they take me back, they're like, okay, your family's going to come down a little bit. Just go get cleaned up. So I'm hobbling around trying to get cleaned up on one leg, and I get myself propped up when I'm all done on one of these training tables. And it's about a you know, six-foot-long by three-foot-wide table. And it's used for taping players and just getting them ready before games. And I'm sitting there and in despair. And in that moment, I felt the greatest sense of peace and comfort that I've ever felt in my entire life. It was as if the Lord was sitting right next to me saying, Derek, I'm never going to leave you nor forsake you. And I'm with you in this and I will help you through it. But you need to trust me. But in that same moment, he also convicted me that I need to start living a life that was completely surrendered to him and rooted and established in his love. No longer seeking acceptance, worth, and validation from the outside world. But I think the most incredible thing that came from this moment was that as he drove me to my knees and helped me grow in relationship with him, it also helped my wife grow in relationship with him. Not even three months later, at Cornerstone, we were baptized as we wanted to rededicate our lives and our commitment to Christ. So after my injury, seeking value and identity through accomplishments and the pursuit of my will, it wasn't going to fulfill me anymore. As long as I was still seeking validation from the world, I would never have a lasting joy or peace that comes from knowing Jesus and the love God has for us. The only thing that would fill me was the perfect love of God through his son, Jesus Christ. I thought the house that I was building was strong and secure, and maybe it appeared that way on the outside. But I was only fooling myself. The trials of this life proved my foundation to be made of sand. The Holy Spirit revealed that the way of thinking from my younger years was still with me, and that it was finally time to surrender it all to the Lord. And I said, Father, your love for me is unconditional. It doesn't depend on how well I do on the field. It doesn't depend on how well I do in this life. And even when I was at my worst as a sinner, you loved me so much that you sent your son to die for me so that I might be made right with you and that I might have a new life. It's time to surrender everything at your feet and trust you completely. And as I sought the Lord more and more through the reading of his word and prayer, I began to build a word document. It's a little thing I had on my computer and I have it on my cell phone as well, of Bible verses which applied directly to the areas I struggled with. When I was fearful, I went to 2 Timothy 1.7. For the spirit God gave us is not one of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And when I needed strength, I went to Isaiah 41.10. So do not fear, for I'm with you. Do not be dismayed, for I'm your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And when I needed to trust the Lord, I went to Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him, and he will make your path straight. When I found peace, strength, trust, and placed my identity in him through the reading and meditating upon his word, my concern with performance and pride was replaced with the perfect love of God. Now I enjoy very much playing in the NFL and the blessing that it has been. It has given me a platform and an experience to be able to share the love of Christ and his amazing transformation within my life. I also enjoy the test of it because it helps me Refine, be refined and it helps refine my faith and my trust in the Lord and it helps bring me to a complete surrender and I'm still tested I mean just the other day we had signed another tight end to our team there's saw it on the bottom of a little scroller on ESPN and my first thoughts are what 
What's, what, what's going to happen to me? But right in that moment, the Holy Spirit convicted me and he gave me another opportunity to submit to the Lord and his will and to grow in trust and faith. And that's exactly what I did. And it's not easy working in, in an industry that its very essence is completely antithetical to the values of the kingdom of God. As it's purely performance-based, every day there are dozens of coaches and front office personnel that sit and watch your every move on and off the field. And everything on the field is videotaped and replayed again and again and again. And at the end of the day, these coaches and the front office personnel go into a room upstairs, a meeting room, and they sit there and they talk about your value and your worth and your contributions to the team. And if it's worth what they're paying you. And not only that, but you're paid based on what their evaluation is. <clears throat> so you can imagine that the type of stress, if you're just focused on your performance, the type of stress that can just be placed on you, that you think is placed on you, if you don't focus your eyes on Jesus. The better you play, the more you get paid. That's what everyone always says. You play good, you get paid good. Now imagine that being the motto of your life. Focused on pay and focused on your performance. It's empty. It's unfulfilling. It might have you for a season or two, but in the long run, it's empty. You're building your house on a foundation of sand. But again, the Lord taught me that I have to be deliberate where I fix my eyes and where I place my faith and trust. It gives me more opportunities for my faith to be refined and to bring me closer into relationship with God. It teaches me that I have to be intentional in seeking the Lord daily, denying myself and taking up my cross. I must trust by faith that his will will be accomplished in my life and that what he has planned is far greater than anything I could ever imagine. And it helps me to gain an even greater appreciation for his love, being firmly rooted and established in it and building the strength of my foundation and building the strength of my foundation on the cornerstone that is Christ. Just a moment of prayer. Father, I thank you for everyone here, for the lives that you've blessed and that you've called to be your sons and daughters in Christ. Lord, that if we might place our faith and our value in the things of this world, Lord, may you convict us and help us to become obedient and surrender to you, Father. We want to have your son Jesus as our cornerstone. Help us build our lives on that firm foundation that will give us strength, that will give us peace and security, not only in this life, but Lord, but the eternal life to come. May we surrender everything to you, Lord. May we be built up in faith, encouraged. Father, we just give you thanks and all the hope and all the glory and all the praise. Let it be yours forever and ever. Amen. All right, guys. All right, guys. Thanks a lot, Derek. Appreciate your words and your teaching. Um, we're going to now have just a time of Q&A. Um, and so we have um, either Nate or Tim who's going to be a mic runner for us. So if you have any questions for Derek, it can be, it can be about anything. It can be about um, faith, football, um, something off of his teaching about identity and, and value and finding your worth in what you do. Um, then the floor is open for any kind of questions. Um, and so we've got uh, Nate or Tim, one of you guys, um, as a mic runner. So if you guys have any questions at all, um, just slip up a hand and then Nate will, will give you the mic.
Um, while you guys are thinking of questions, um, I got a couple questions of my own. That sounded a little bit more like, um, I don't know, like threatening than I meant that to sound. <laughs> got some questions for you, Derek. Um, so kind of just going off of like faith in football, like how do you, um, you know, a lot, of, a lot of times I get questions and we have discussions just about at your workplace, like how to just talk about your faith and trying to seek those opportunities to witness to other people. So how do you integrate faith in football? How do you kind of witness to your teammates um, kind of just in our world where like religion is like the last thing you really want to talk about? Well, I think the first thing, um, if I, I just want to preface by saying this. Being sitting in the back today um, allowed me to watch every single one of you during worship. And I just want to say how encouraging it is to see you guys seek the Lord. Um, one of my good friends always says that if you're not bold here, you're not going to be bold out there. So to see you guys seek the Lord like that, that's encouraging. That's super encouraging. That kind of goes into the answer, mm-hmm. is that you need to be bold. And it's, it's so easy to sit back and, and say, well, I don't, you know, I'm not comfortable doing that. But at times you have to step out of your comfort zone mm-hmm. and kind of going back to about like what my two friends and my coach did, you know, they stepped out and they helped someone that was in need. And you never know who that person might be, and you never know that opportunity that might present itself. So if you're always bold, if you're always sharing the gospel, if you're always sharing your story, it can touch so many people. And, and, and it's not your responsibility to have that transformation happen in your strength. You're just obedient to be able to share the gospel and the message that has been given to you. That's great. Um, if there's no question on the floor... I mean, feel free to raise your hand. We'll get you a mic. Um, but I just got a string of questions. Um, so uh, we went through a, a series a couple months ago called When Things Don't Go As Planned. And I think like for young adults, especially like in our season of life, um, it's just constantly like in transition. It's just constant change, like whether that's with work or relationships, um, graduating from high school, do I go straight into work? Graduating from college, you, you got your degree, like all right, how can I use my degree and what kind of a workplace can I go into? And a lot of relationships are in flux as well. Like, you know, all my friends are getting married. Do I, should I get married? Uh, who should I date? Um, so kind of just in a season of change, um, how do you, um, how do you just kind of deal with just those seasons of change and how do you respond in life when, especially when life really isn't kind of going like according to what you like hoped or planned? I think it's just being rooted in, in the love of Christ, honestly. That's where I find my identity. And just going back to what I, what I talked about, if you find your worth and your identity in things that are changing, that are you know, here today and gone tomorrow, that's exactly how your demeanor, how your outlook of life is going to be. It's going to be mm-hmm. fluctuating. It's never going to be constant. Right. But the one thing is constant is the love of Christ, and it's always there. And, and God's always w- waiting for you with open arms. Like if, No matter how far you stray, mm-hmm. He's always going to be there waiting for you. And just having that comfort knowing that that's always there for you yeah. is just super encouraging no matter what I'm going through. Yeah, I think that's huge because um, I think we can really, a lot of the times, base those seasons of change just like, is something wrong with me? And what am I doing wrong? Or just we can, kind of like how you are saying, we can really just tend to focus inward uh, when really the Lord really wants us in those seasons of change to stop looking inward and saying like, what should I do? What should I do? What's wrong with me? Or we should just continue to focus outward because, you know, I think of that verse where it says, just says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and then everything will be added unto you. Um, so I take that to mean, you know, seek the Lord in everything that you do. And if you seek the Lord, seek his righteousness, 
he's going to take care of you. He's going to take care of your work. He's going to take care of your relationships um, and just those transitions. Uh, we got a question on the floor. All right, Steven. Hey, I, I've never played in the NFL, and I probably never will. But uh, So I don't really know much about the job, but how does it affect how, like, how you have time to raise your kids or like bringing them up in the Lord and like, does does it affect like how they how you act because you know they they see you all the time? Of or? course, yeah. So uh, I'll just give you a, a basic rundown without trying to go into too much detail for you guys. But basically, during the during the in season, so that goes from about the end of July, beginning of August, all the way to the end of December. I mean, it could go all the way through February if you make the Super Bowl. But you're essentially working six days out of the week, and it, there, it, it's full days. I mean, when I wake up in the morning, if, I, if we have a normal work day, I have to be in the facility around 7 or 8 o'clock, so I'm waking up around 6, 6.30, and then I'm not getting home till about 6.30, 7 o'clock at night. So when I'm home, I just make sure my big rule is the first thing I do when I get home is play. I play with my kids. I put my phone down, I play with my kids, make sure that they know that they're a priority, and then I love on my wife and make sure that she knows she's a priority. Um, I always pray together with my family. Yeah. <laughs> I always pray to pray together with my family, uh, so they know that I put the Lord first. But I also pray for them, so that I know they know that I, they're important to me. And uh, it's 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 tough. Don't get me wrong; it's it's tough, and it's you have to be intentional and make time to do it every day. Because if you just go through the motions, you know your family sees that, and it just it reflects poorly. And you know sometimes their value and, and your relationship with them suffers because of it. Samantha, you got a question? So. Um uh, what is the culture of it like on um, within the team? How do you build relationships with other Christian players, and how do you maybe overcome that competitive spirit to build camaraderie and to model Christ for other players? So, but how do we model Christ for other players, among other things? Yeah, do you mind? Do you remember? Do you mind repeating it one more time? Sorry, if you remember. How do you build um, camaraderie with other players? How do you overcome maybe that competitive spirit and show Christ to your teammates, and also? Do you have a lot of Christian teammates? Do you have community within your workplace? Yeah, we have. We have on the great, Raiders. I don't. There are zero. Yeah, zero. <laughs> Red, the Redskins, though. No, is like, we have a great. We have a great group of uh, of leaders. Um, Derek Carr is a, our quarterback and an awesome teammate, awesome leader, and an awesome man of Christ. And I think, in terms of kind of putting to death that competitive nature, I don't. I don't want to say that that ever leaves. But I think how we view competition, it's not so much that I'm competing against another player. Even though like, the, uh, the world likes to say that. Like, people on TV like to say, oh, who's going to win the quarterback battle? I mean, that's like the big news for every, like, every team every year. Who's going to win the quarterback battle? And I don't really view competition in that sense. I view competition of how can I compete to glorify God? Like, with the gifts that he's given me, what can I do on the field and on, on the practice field or on the game field or in the weight room, or even if I'm just sitting there eating with teammates, what can I do to glorify God? And I think when that's my focus, it's not, it's not on competing. When I was, when I was younger, it, it was on competing and beating my teammates. And I'll, I'll be honest, like it was, it was stressful, it was miserable, and it just made like the job of football be exactly that, a job. It's not something that I enjoyed. But like once I got away from that and focused my identity and who Christ says I am, like the competition just melted away, and it was just, how can I honor and glorify you? And the thing, too, is, is that I just came to trust in his will. And if, and if it, he was saying, Derek, I don't need you to be a football player anymore, I came to a place where I'm okay with that. 
Like if tomorrow I get released and, he, and the Lord's telling me it's time to start my, my, the next phase of my life and if that's ministry, then I'm going to be like, okay, Lord, your will be done, not mine. Because I think it's so easy that we get these ideas in our head where we think the Lord's calling us in this direction and we kind of grasp on it in our strength and we refuse to let it go. And it's in those moments where it just becomes more about us than doing the will of the Lord. Yeah, and uh, that kind of is a good segue into one of the questions I have because we were talking last night about um, there's just a lot of like misperceptions that people have about professional athletes in general. And one of those misperceptions can be that um, professional athletes, NFL players, kind of have it all together. You know, they're making, making it big. Um, when in reality, a lot of, there's a lot of insecurity when it comes to professional sports in general. So um, could you like elaborate on, have you ever felt just insecure or just a lot of anxiety built up because Without of a doubt. insecurities? Without a doubt. And, and how, think, do you, how do you yeah. deal with that? I think it's part of like the business that you're portrayed as this strong alpha male that never feels fear and like never has moments of worry or doubt. And I think that honestly couldn't be further from the truth. Um, when you're competing, I mean, whatever it is, like, there's going to be moments where you're like, is this really what the Lord's calling me to do? And you might be uncertain. Mm-hmm. And, and really, it's just in those moments, like looking at the Lord and saying, Father, what's your will for my life? And I think it's, it's, it's just, it's so easy to get caught in that trap like we talked yeah. about. Yeah. Any other questions on the floor? Jamie, you got a question? All right, while we're getting those figured out, um, um, here's a just a question just kind of about like discipline. Um, and a lot of the discussions I have with young adults is just the discipline about just reading your word. And, you know, as an NFL player, as a professional athlete, there's a, like a lot of discipline that is involved just in your eating, your training, your working out, your memorization of plays. So spiritually speaking, what kind of disciplines do you practice um, just to like, stay focused and fixed on the Lord. Yeah, there, I mean, the schedule, like I said, it, it's so intense, and especially with studying plays and watching film study. Like, when your day is done at the facility, it's not really done, because I still have to do some film study at home. Right. And I'll usually do that at night once everyone's gone to sleep. Mm-hmm. But that's even more of a reason why I need to be intentional in seeking the Lord, because you need to make that time available for Him. You need to show that, that He's an important part of your life, and you can just not... It's your approach to it. It's not that God's there and like I can go to him only when I need him. No, I want to be a part I want him to be a part of my life in every single aspect of it, not just when I need him in a moment of crisis. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's huge. I think a lot of times we just do have the mentality like we know that the Lord's always there for us, but we don't care to access our relationship with him until something is going awry or going wrong in our life or when we're in those seasons of change and we're in those seasons of confusion like we don't know what next to do and then we grow in the lord and the lord has just so much more for us he wants us to have that relationship with him in the good times and the bad times when things are not only going bad but when hey life's going really good right now and uh everything seems to be in order and that's i think you know a lot of times we don't pursue our relationship with the lord when when things are going well um any questions on the floor yeah jamie wants to ask if you've ever if you or anybody that you know have ever done anything with the Special Olympics, and also if you'll sign his Raiders jersey. Yes, so I, I, know there, I know players that have done things with the Special Olympics. I myself haven't, personally. And it's just, there's no reason specifically. It just, I would, I would love to. I mean, if there's an opportunity, I'd love to do it. And yes, I'll sign, sign whatever it is. Yeah. <laughs> 
All right, cool. We got time for another question. Hey. Dominic. Um, so I, too, am trying to be a professional athlete. I'm a golfer, and so I kind of know, like, sometimes there's weeks, months, or just times where, you know, you're spending, like, 60-plus hours a week, maybe even, like, 80 or whatever, and you build up all this expectation for a performance, and then it just doesn't go as planned. Can you kind of speak to how you get through that time and if you have, I don't know, seasons where you're just, you know, working as hard as you can and then you're just not quite performing how you want? Mm-hmm. Of course, yeah. I've, I've experienced that plenty of times. Um, I mean, there's several games that stick out in my, mind, in my mind where I thought I was so prepared going into it and I get in there and I just played the worst football I've ever played in my life and it's like I've completely forgotten how to play the game. And the best part is when we get to go the next day and we get to watch... I hate it when that happens, Derek. (laughs) (laughs) So, like, let's just say it's a typical Sunday game. The next day, on Monday, we go in as a team and we watch the film. And there's nothing better than watching, like, your series of bad plays replayed over and over and over in front of the entire team and saying, hey, this is not what we do. So, I mean, that's that's a great feeling. But really, it's just, for me, I focus on just working as if I'm working onto the Lord. Like everything I'm doing, I'm doing it for Him. And after that, I just release it and let go and just trust Him with the results. Yeah, that's what my um, dad does after I give teachings. He, we, we watch my film, and, um, and then he like, is criticizing me and is really negative to me. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, quiet down. No, no talking from you back there. Uh, <laughs> all right, you're not invited back. <laughs> all right, uh, got two more questions here. Do you hold back when you're playing football with your family? Uh, a, l- a little bit, a little bit, yeah. All right, I have a question. Um, so when you played football in high school... I did play football in high school, too, and I knew, like, uh, as the players, like, some of them would, like, kind of hang out in groups. There's, like, cliques. So, like, I don't know if it was like that for you, too, but, like, going into, like, pros, do, like, quarterbacks, receivers, and tight ends, like, hang out, and then, like, the running backs and O-line guys, like, hang out? Are you guys, like, an actual team and, like, all hang out and do oh, stuff that, together? That's a, that's a good question. So, I, so position groups, there are, like, obviously you have more, I don't want to say more unity, but, like, there's more, like, close-knit relationships within your position group because that's who you spend most of your time with and we have or last year we had five guys in our tight end room so like us five were pretty close together but at the same time um, as a team it's important to build camaraderie and and fellowship and and just unity within the team so it's important to to spread yourself among everyone else and just you know make yourself available and get to know one another sir michael when you had your pro day, what were your bench press stats and your 40 time? So 40 time, uh, I remember... Hey, wait, let me guess. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, four, five is your 40 time. Four, four, three. Four, four, eight. Four, four, eight. Yeah. Uh, bench right. press was... okay. 15. Let me preface this. Yes, you're right. 15. <laughs> But I want to say this first. Uh, when I when I just ran, just watching you from, I could like I was kind of reading your measurements there, 15. and I was like, fifteen reps. Were you measuring me in my spandex too? Yeah. Well, okay. I, <laughs> all right, little, that's a little too personal there, Derek. Okay. But uh, <laughs> yes, I was. All right. 
But uh, anyways, when I, when I worked out my pro day, I worked out as a wide receiver. So I was, I was, right now I'm about 240 pounds. I worked out at about, I think, like 215, 220. So I still think I can run a 4'8", but I think the bench press could be improved upon a little bit. Oh, it was, he, was, he guessed it. It was 15. 15 reps. Yeah, he guessed it right. There we go. You want to work out some time together? Yeah, you want to? Yeah, curls? Let's do it. Yeah, curls? Curls. Curls? Yeah. Hey, I'm, I'm in. I got to work on this voice first before, <clears throat> before we work out, though. All right. Uh, one more question. Um, how do you use uh, being rooted in your identity uh, to overcome your performance anxieties? That's a, that's a great question. I think that anxiety and like the fear and things like that, I think that comes from focusing inward or focus in the sense that it's about me or focusing outward in the sense that's the circumstances, if that makes sense. And then when I'm focused on my identity in Christ, it's not on myself and it's not on my circumstances. And it's easy. It's easier said than done. Like it takes a lot of practice. And I'm, I'm not saying that I don't ever have those moments where I don't experience those things. I still do. But when I have those, I know where to turn. That's to the Lord and just surrender it to him. But it's just in those moments where you turn inward and you say, you know, if you're playing bad, what's wrong with me? Or if you're looking at the circumstances like, you know, things aren't going the way they should. What's going on? You know, that's when we get caught up in, in our feelings and get caught up in things that, you know, shouldn't really be bothering us. Awesome. Well, Derek, appreciate you being here with us and just kind of sharing your story a little bit and especially just regarding those questions on identity because that's, I think, huge for not only our generation, but just our culture in general. Um, we, we just are constantly asking that question, who am I, um, instead of whose am I, which is the Lord's. And I think that's what we need to continue to fix on and focus on is it's not about who we are, but it's about who we are in Christ and who we are in the Lord and whose we are, which is the Lord's. Uh, because when we come into relationship with him, God calls us his child. And just like a good father-child relationship, it, there's love, there's grace, there's forgiveness, uh, there's friendship, um, and there's just relationship. And uh, that's the question I think we need to ask is not who am I, but uh, who am I in the Lord and who's am, who's am I uh, altogether? So uh, let's give it up for Derek one more time. Thanks for being here, Derek. Um, so next Monday night, we'll be back in here. We'll um, finish out our last two of the Ten Commandments, Commandments number 9 and 10. Uh, so that's next Monday night. And then the following Monday, we'll be in the cafe for six weeks. But uh, let me pray us out, and then we'll let you go. Lord, we just come before you now, and uh, just we thank you for Derek and his story, and we do pray for Derek, Lord, and just ask that you would um, be with him, that you would give him health and strength, Lord, for this upcoming season, that you would bless him, Lord, as he continues to honor you uh, in his relationship with you, as he continues continues to pursue you, God, as he continues to put you first over his life and over his family. We pray that you would bless him for that, Lord, that you would have your hand of favor upon him. We pray that you would bless his wife and his two kids, that you would be with them as well, as uh, we're sure that you know this, this life isn't maybe as glamorous as it may seem, but it's a lot of hard work and it's a lot of uh, change and uh, a lot of demand. So we pray that you would bless him and his family, that you would protect them, keep them safe, Lord. And we pray that you would give him success uh, this upcoming year. And we just pray for this young adult ministry, Lord, that you would continue to cultivate a spirit of unity among us, that you would just continue to uh, recall to our minds throughout this week, Lord, uh, that 
We are yours, Lord, that we are a new creation in Christ and that our identity is not wrapped up in who we are and our value is not found uh, in and of ourselves, but our worth, our identity, our value is found in a relationship with Jesus Christ and that is our foundation. So I pray that you would recall that to our minds, Lord. Uh, Go before us, go with us now as we leave this place and we pray that you would just bless us and that we would honor you and glorify you in all that we say and do. We love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen.